and welcome to Real Player Fetish Talks Real Player Play, a podcast that dives into fetish, sober life, and everything in between. This week we are going to Ireland, um, where my guest is zooming in from uh, Dublin. Uh, welcome to the chat, Guy. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure of being here and sharing this space with you, man. Thank you very much. Uh, it's really lovely to have you on. We've been planning this for a while to get you onto the podcast. So I'm finally, we're finally getting to a point. Nothing's going to stop me. Illness, whatever, whatever's going on with me, it, it's going to happen. I know I'm, I'm delighted. And listen, you know, we have to follow the flow. And if you're unwell or if you're busy, we can't have a really good conversation. And that's really what this is about. Us just connecting, talking about stuff that matters. And I'm glad you're feeling better. And Oi. yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. Fantastic. Well, the format, uh, we start like every every episode I do. I start with four standard questions and then we just see where the conversation goes. Okay, I'm curious to hear what these questions are. I'm going to brace myself. <laughs> you haven't been watching my podcast, have you? <laughs> in and out, in and out. I wanted to stay fresh. I wanted to stay fresh for you. No, to be honest, I do that with other podcasts as well. If I'm guests on them, I don't watch them and because then I have an idea of what I want to do. All of a sudden, yeah. and then you overthink it. So yeah. first question, what do you prefer I call you? Names, pronouns, and title. My name is Guy. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. And title, uh, gosh, people call me coach. People call me sir. People call me daddy. Um, it really depends on the context and on the situation. Um, we're friends. Call me Guy. Guy. Fantastic. Noted. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Mm, well, my name is Guy. I live in Dublin, Ireland. I've lived in Ireland for around 16 years now. Uh, I moved to Dublin um, from Israel, where I was born and raised. Uh, I come from a South African family, South African German family. And um, once I finished the military service, I really wanted to explore Ireland. And I fell in love with this place. And I found myself here and I felt free to be myself here. And so I decided to go to college here. I did journalism and visual media. Then I did human rights law. And in the first few years of living in Ireland, this was back in hmm, 2006. Since then, just finding myself, accepting my sexuality, accepting my fetish for leather, and stepping into the community, you know, step by step, finding myself. Um, right now, gosh, we're in the year 2023. I'm married. My lovely husband is in the other room playing PlayStation, as he does. Uh, we've been married for 10 years this month, which is really, really cool. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And uh, Lord, my journey to this point, I used to work for Facebook and Google and Amnesty International and a whole host of very cool organizations but my passion has always been speaking to people and making things a little bit better wherever I go which has often gotten me into trouble in big organizations like Facebook and Google um and I decided they're to... not there for the people <laughs> mm -mm, yeah it's it's <laughs> that's how they you know that's what they tell you when you apply for the job and in the job interviews there is a focus on people, but the focus is on profit and on information and basically the information marketplace. And I discovered very quickly when I was working for Facebook that this was not for me and I chose to leave. Um, and I chose to become a coach. I chose to take my love for technology, um, to give myself some tools in order to have better conversations, change things for the better wherever I go. And now I'm a coach and I train coaches as well for a living in the school that I went to. And um, that's me. I coach people in the fetish community as well as people outside the fetish community. But I'm not going to lie, coaching coaching the guys in the community is, is not just my niche. It is my heart niche. It is the greatest joy I have ever, ever received from coaching. And I've been coaching for over a decade. It fills me up. We gear up. Um, we talk it out, we coach, I kick their ass if I need to, and it's amazing. And I've made some amazing, amazing friends. It's, it's changed my life. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll definitely come back to that a little bit more. Um, 
social drinker or completely sober, clear-headed? Hmm. Very light social drinker. Very light social drinker. Um, I grew up in a family uh, that wasn't much of a drinker at all. It wasn't part of the culture. If you look at Israeli culture, there isn't much of a drinking culture. I mean, when you compare it to Ireland, for example. And it really depends on when you're where you're from. So you can have Russian Israelis who always have a bottle of something. And then you can have Israelis from different parts of the world who always have alcohol. We never did. Um, I never saw my dad drinking, really. It was always just a social thing, you know, wine with, you know, holidays. So I was never really drawn to it. And when I moved to Ireland, I was challenged because people would just buy me drinks constantly. It was the way people say hello here, especially when you're new here. And I remember saying to someone once, I'm not thirsty. And they couldn't understand that answer. It's like, what do you mean thirsty? I said, I I'm not thirsty. I'm still working on this. It's fine. It's not about being thirsty. And that to me was interesting. And I learned to drink if and when I choose, if I feel it's part of what I want to experience that night, as long as I can walk home and it doesn't unbalance me and my mental health. And I find that I, I do it so rarely now. Like even me and my husband, we don't really, it's just not what we do. And I don't really miss anything. It's just a substance that I I, I don't have a craving for. And I, I don't feel I need to work on a craving, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot where when you move here, at least Dublin compared also England for that matter, the drinking culture mm. is so prevalent, mm. and yeah. you can almost sit down, seem down upon if you don't drink. In some yeah. case, I and I I've said this on previous episodes. I was one of those people. I would be oh. like, why not? You're weird. You're not going to have a good time. All this crap um yeah where i've now learned that you shouldn't really do that yeah it, it's shaming in a way it, not even a way it, it's shaming and i think that it comes from a place of insecurity with with the people who either on purpose or not on purpose shame you because by you saying no thank you you're challenging their whole value system it's like what do you mean you're choosing not to drink so what am i supposed to do i want to drink so wait a minute are you right and I'm wrong? Wait a minute, should I not drink? When we stand our ground and say, no, thank you, I'm sober, or no, thank you, I'm not drinking tonight, and you own it, the other person has two choices, to accept it or to reject it. And unfortunately, a lot of people choose to lash out and go, oh, come on, wonder you've heard it all. And it's so inappropriate and so unkind to do that. Um, I get the same thing for various choices that I make in the community people have their own way of the world and they don't really open themselves up to mm. accept others and but I think it's slowly changing I think conversations like this make a big difference um and I think just the diversity we're seeing now in the fetish community um is helping widen people's worldview yeah absolutely um the last question what is clear play to you and why is it important Oh, you see, I'm glad I didn't watch your your podcast. <laughs> you would overthink that question. I would overthink that question and come back to you with this thesis. I'm going to answer whatever's in my gut right now. To me, clear play is life. It's not just what goes on in the bedroom or the dungeon or in the sexual encounter. To me, clear play is how we play life and how we play life with clarity and we find a balance between whatever it is we choose to do and the demons that we have, whether they're alcohol or drugs or trauma. Clear play is about being clear about what you want and being respectful and being kind and going for it and having that clarity to say yes or to say no, no thank you, I'm sober, or no thank you. I'm not into that. That's what it means to me. Mm. That is a really interesting take. I think you're the first one to take that take on it, which is, it, it's it's quite really? fascinating because it's really interesting the way you answer. Because of course, when I wrote that, 
I meant like things in the dungeon or or when you're having a guy over or you're tying someone up and say practices and so on. But of course, you're you're completely right. You you play in life. Um yeah. I've definitely my own my own personal journey is especially when I've become sober, I play much more in life. Like I'm I'm much more creative. Um, all the creativity I used to do, I used to be very creative when I lived in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. As soon as I moved here and I started drinking heavily and, and doing drugs, all my creativity went away. All the play yeah. went away and it was just singular into this focus that drugs and sex, that was that was my life. So mm. now that I'm sober, I in like you say, I play more. Not necessarily in a yeah. sexual sense, but in life. So I, really I love like- that you said that. Oh, that really excites me. Of course, it's everything that you said there. It's about kink play and clear boundaries and being clear about who you are and what gives you joy and what gives the other person joy. Of course, it's that. But it's part of the bigger picture about how we play life. And I've spoken to so many guys who feel that there's a set of rules on how to be in the community and a set of rules and that they're supposed to follow when they play. And then there's life that is just the leftovers of let's just get to the next event and we'll just throw it together. And it's taking who you are in a play setting. It's taking who you are in the community and balancing that out with life. Because I may be sitting here dressed in leather speaking to you. I'm not speaking to you in any different way than if I was having uh, a meeting with a colleague when I was dressed in a, in a regular shirt. It's about mm. being able to play and tap into all the parts of who you are, whether it's in the dungeon or whether it's in a faculty meeting. The leather is, and, the, and any other fetish that you may have, that's part of it. This is just an external representation of it. I love this idea that you play, you know, in and out and that your creativity is growing. That's, that's so awesome. Oh yeah, well, it's 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 so weird because everything I did creatively went away when I moved here um, because of mm. the drug taking, and that slowly came back as soon as I stopped doing drugs. Funny enough, who who would have figured that out? Um, wow. So you talked about um, your background. You're you're from Israel. Um, mm. How was it growing up there? Hmm. And when when I, did you move? Sorry, I probably yeah. when did you move to uh, Dublin from Israel? Just to make that timeline clear. No, of course. Um, I spent the first twenty six years of my life in Israel. I moved to I officially moved to Dublin in two thousand and six, but came here uh, three summers in a row from two thousand and three. Growing up in Israel was very different for me because I grew up in a bubble a privileged, white, uh, very liberal South African bubble. So my experience of Israel is one in which I grew up speaking English to my mom at home, and that's not what a lot of people do. Of course, people from different places in the world would speak Russian or speak Arabic. It's different for everyone. My Israel is a South African afternoon tea, barbecues. It was like my extended Israeli family was predominantly South African. So I had, in a way, two lives. I had my life at home where I would speak English to my mom, Hebrew to my dad, and it was happening in English, and it was watching English programs, BBC, American TV, very, very um, Anglo-Saxon. And then I had the life that I had when I went to school, which was in Hebrew, um, different value systems, and just a very different context. Um, being honest, I I love Israel, but I don't like it. It's it's it will always be my home. I love my family. Um, I love the food, um, but there are significant parts of the culture, specifically politics, that I cannot live with. Um, I cannot live um, in a country that treats populations the way it does, and it's also not a good place for me. Just on a, on a personal level, I am a happier, fuller person when I live elsewhere. But I visit regularly and I, I enjoy visiting as a visitor. But let me share a quick story of one of the reasons why I don't like Israel. Um, 
when I moved to Ireland, um, my parents and a few friends came to take me to the airport. And there I am with like five suitcases of my whole life, super, super nervous at the airport. And I was really, really nervous. And I noticed um, that in the queue for the security, there was a, a Palestinian family and they were obviously relocating as well. It was like a mom and a dad and a few kids. And they had like massive amounts of bags, like their whole lives. And I kind of noticed in the corner of my eye. And the security is really, really tight in Israeli airports. And so they always ask you before the security, hey, where are you from? Where are you going? What are you doing here? So I answer, they put a little sticker on my passport, you're good to go. And I didn't have to go through any security screening of my luggage. They were like, no, you're Grant. But the Palestinian family had every single bad bag opened. Pots, pans, toys, clothes in detail. And I watched as this took place and my whole family watched and we felt sick. And that is the kind of environment that smacks you in the face in Israel, where you see that you have a certain amount of privilege and other people do not. And it was, mm -hmm. it was my last experience in Israel as I boarded the plane to Ireland and it stayed with me to this day. It's, it's wrong. And I would like to think, this is really interesting we're going here, that I do a service for Israel by just being a nice person who, who is from Israel, who lives abroad, who shows that some people can be kind and we all have differing views. And I think that's my contribution um, to the conflict and to just enlightening people. Um, but yeah, that's a nice early story. What an interesting question. Really enjoyed that no, one. It, it's, it's, I, I like to know where my guests, where, where the origins are from and, and where, where, mm. what, what, what backgrounds they have. And you have such a different background it's like you south african you're from israel you now live in dublin it's yeah. it's quite an array and it's probably why most people watching is like he sounds irish but there's a little bit of yeah. american there's <laughs> the dialect is a little bit like where where is he from all over all over i was camping with some friends on a beach in the most southern city in israel called a lot it's like a Vegas, but a dodgy Vegas. We were sleeping on the beach and we met this display hobo one morning and we were having a little chat and we, and we asked him, where are you from? And he said, it's not where I'm from, man. It's where I'm going. And we were like, boom, that is amazing. So yeah, I'm kind of like from all over the place and the future might bring me to live in a different country in Europe, but I like it because it's kind of shaped me. I have perspective on Ireland now, um, having lived here for a while. Um, I have perspective on Israel once I step away. Um, and I think it it helps me use my privilege. Um, I appreciate the fact that I'm a European citizen now. I appreciate the ease in which I get on a plane and go to Berlin, which I never used to have, the ease that a lot of people don't have, the privilege I have to affording leather, the privilege I have to being here with you. It 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 smacks me across the face sometimes and you know, I think it's something that I'm really realizing in this part of my my life. How do I use what I have um, to help people who may not have as much or have something else? So you boarded the plane and went to Ireland. What what brought you to Ireland? You said you had three summers in Ireland. Did you just oh. fall in love with the country? It's so lame. Must I answer this question? Oh, yes, you fine. must. When you say that, you you must now. Yeah, I must. Okay, Ralph. Um, I was at home one day. This was back when home was Israel. And Riverdance came on the TV. And I looked at it and I thought it was really cool. And I was like, hmm, I want to visit that place. It's so lame. So I visited Ireland the first time, like a super great. tourist. I loved, I loved Riverdance. I've watched many dance shows up until now. And Riverdance is the best one because it's as authentic as it can be as a product. Mm -hmm. Um, and I came to Ireland as a tourist, like explore the island. I went all over, met some amazing people, and I liked the way I felt. And then I decided to come back and do it even more and connect with some friends. And then the third time I already knew I'm here to look at colleges. There is something about Ireland that for me is very different to Israel. It's much more casual. It's much more uh, playful. 
and the weather suits me. I know that it rains a lot and it's gray. I like that. I prefer that to crazy Middle Eastern weather. I love the attitude and I appreciate being part of a community here that is that is Celtic, but also very, very embracing. And I think that that, along with my own fetish journey, has led me to a place where I feel, I feel, damn, I belong. And it feels good. I know where I fit in now, you know, within the Irish community, as, as new Irish, if you would, in the fetish community, um, even in the Israeli community, I, I kind of know where my place is in it, and it feels right. And when it feels right, you can do more and you can really be you. It's it's interesting you say like now that you've lived in Ireland you can kind of look back at Israel with like a different slight slightly different perspective because I do that all the time with Denmark I have mm. a very different perspective to Denmark I I as, as, like you I love my country mm -hmm. but sometimes oh my god I get frustrated with Denmark yeah. because Denmark has this tendency to be in their own little sandbox and just kind of like well we don't we, we're not gonna look at that over there because we're not we're not gonna be, get involved um and and i get really frustrated that we're now 30 years 30 35 years in since we started having refugees in denmark and so on we've become a very multicultural society and we're mm -hmm. still discussing the headscarf we're still discussing mm -hmm. it if it should be banned or is it good or is it and I'm just like, just accept it's there. It, it's you can have your opinion about it. That's fine, but yeah. oh my god, why are you spending so much time and money and energy discussing someone else's religion or piece of clothing, and just not oh. moving on? Dude, take that and bring that up to like level fifty in Israel. It's not even conversations about headscarves. It's literal conversations of terrorism and it's this constant nitpicking of politics and security to the point that it it overtakes everything everything you experience in that country is in the shadow of the political and the security situation and while israel has made great great progress especially when it comes to um the the gay community and prides and everything that is an island within israel Tel Aviv is a very different kind of Israel. That is the place where you can really be who you want to be. It's very liberal. Um, there's a lot of diversity there. Um, but it's an island that is surrounded by troubles of so many kind. And it's all you consume every day, all day. And it means that your experience of the world is through the filtering lens of Israeli media. It's through... Is it safe to take the bus today? Which is a very humbling experience. It's through fear. And I got a lot of flack when I moved to Ireland. And I got all the traditional stuff that you say to someone in his own of How could you leave after everything that people have been through for you to live here? I got the Holocaust. I got the wars. I got, I got, I got all the guilt and then some. And my response has been, I get to choose because of the because of the sacrifices other people made to live a healthy, fulfilled life. And I can be of service to other people in a better way, in a different place. But I am still tied to this place. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and it's very humbling to be able to step away from the country where you were born and appreciate it from afar and appreciate that it's played a part in who you are, but it's a part that you don't need to extend because of guilt or shame or shoulds or have tos. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's I have to point out for anyone listening or watching, I'm not comparing Denmark to Israel. Two very different things. Um, Absolutely. But it's the it's the experience of being someone who lives in a different country than your birth country. That is absolutely my my only comparison. I know there's a vast difference between Denmark and Israel when it comes to politics and stuff like that. Some of the same emotions, like when you you're looking from the outside and in a little bit. And I might just add for anyone who might have been zooming into this podcast or listening to a snippet, this is not about politics. If anything, this podcast is about the opposite of politics, because 
when it comes to having conversations, in order to create a bridge between people, you stay clear of divisive issues, mm -hmm. issues that are uh, provocative, like gender, like race, or like politics. My politics are my own business. I think I've made them pretty clear so far in what we were talking about with the reasons why I no longer live in Israel. But I hope that when people look at you, Ralph, and when people look at me, they look at more than where we're from and the packaging that you and I present, which is similar in terms of leather and get to know the story behind the headline, you know, guy, Jewish, Ireland, there's more there. And I hope that more people do that, especially with big, uh, big leather events coming up, getting, getting to know people and not just putting labels on them just because of where they're from or what they think they do. Absolutely, absolutely. So you moved to Ireland. I did. How is that for you? I, I got the sense of your experience of, did you come out a little bit later in life? Uh, I did. I did. I, I don't think I even probably realized it. I mean, I always knew that I was attracted to both men and women. Um, it really crystallized um, when I moved to Ireland and I started to go to the gay bars that I was definitely drawn more um, to men. And then I just realized that I was gay. Um, and it it was a process of kind of eliminating layers of guilt and shame and should and leaving the option open, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, yeah. I don't want to commit to an orientation, things have changed since then happily, even in the conversations that we have about gender and about sexuality. And yeah, I my coming out was at around 24, which I would imagine is quite late now, uh, when you think about it, uh, official coming out. My leather coming out was like just a few years later in events here in Dublin. So, so you moved to Ireland when you were 26, you came out at 24 and your family were, you said, you mentioned they were quite liberal. So they were very supportive. Yeah, super supportive. Absolutely. They were absolutely great. It also happened because I was seeing my husband to be at the time and it was, they just really, really liked him. And at that point, things had changed in Israel and things had opened up as people get older and more information out there, it, it wasn't so much a big deal at all. And it's wonderful. I have a wonderful relationship with both my parents and they adore my husband. And it's, I'm so lucky. So, so, so lucky. I know so many other people don't have that. Um, so even saying that, I kind of say a little thank you. It's like, I'm, oh, I'm very glad. I when, when I hear stories from friends here, because, Yet again, when I lived in Denmark, it was very much like a little sandbox of not a lot of gay trauma, really. Um, mm. not, that was not my experience. I had very supportive parents and so on. And most of my friends had that as well. And then I move here and I hear about conversion therapy and religious oh. trauma. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I am so lucky. The only homophobic and I wouldn't even call it that was someone walking past me in business school and just go homo and that was the extent I yeah I, I'm so privileged when it comes to that so yeah. when I moved here it was quite eye-opening and also mm. I think I think as as gay people now that everything is a global stage we see things happening we see we've just seen the story and she wasn't even gay but a a female store owner having a flag outside and being yeah. shot and killed for that fact because she was an ally. And it's those type of things where, because it's so close to home, it, yeah. it feels like a personal attack. And, and it, it can be quite like, when you see stories like that, it's very upsetting. It is. And you know what? I see them, they are an attack on me. I may not have mm -hmm. not been that person, but I feel they do attack me. And when I hear, I mean, I got bullied in high school. I got all the slurs. I remember what that feel, feels like. And I think a lot of us carry those scars with us. But when I read about what goes on, even in Ireland, when these things happen, it did happen to me. Because it happened to one of us. And it could have easily been me. 
And that's a humbling and important thought to have that it really could have been anyone. And you would really hope if it did happen to you that people were paying attention because this stuff is still happening and probably will continue to happen because people are the way people are and there's progress made. They happen less, but we can never be too casual about it. And we need to be vigilant, especially, you know, I'm heading off to Berlin next week. Um, I'm mindful that this is a new environment. People have a certain way about them and I need to make sure that I'm safe and my friends are safe and conduct myself with respect and dignity and be cautious about what I choose to do and where I choose to do it, minimize risk and just hope that everything goes well because we don't have that privilege to be carefree as gay people. I don't think anyone has the privilege to be absolutely carefree. We all have our own bag of tricks in life, but it's humbling and it's a good reminder. So I'm glad we're actually talking about it. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Berlin. So I'm I'm guessing it might be Folsom you're going to. Are you excited? It is indeed. Are you excited? I am excited. I am excited because I have wanted to go to Folsom for years. And it's the first time I actually get to go simply because I have been involved in pretty kind of standard nine to five full-time work for a number of years. And even when I was doing projects. I could never clear my schedule to go, but I won't lie. I wasn't ready to go for a really long time. It was something that you kind of peaked at going, oh, maybe one day. And I wasn't ready. I hadn't done the work. I wasn't grown enough as the Leatherman I am. And I feel it's a good time to go. I'm going to see my friends. That's what I'm going. I'm going to Berlin to get to know Berlin and to spend time with my friends and take it easy and to just explore explore this gathering of the clans um and make some new friends and who knows just have a nice time so you talk about growing as a lover man and I, mm. i've looked at your instagram and and you posted i think a couple of weeks back some pictures from your wedding um 10, yes. 10 years ago where you kind of like you were i think your comment was a little bit like I wasn't a lever man at that point, but there was hints of it. Like a, a, some couple of choice. Yeah, it's like I knew I was a lever man, but I wasn't showing it or fully living it. But you yeah. could see even in what I was wearing on the wedding day, I had to have leather in there. Like it was it was really kind of like a coming out to the next version of me when I got married, which has enabled um, me to fully step into it. Yeah, I'm so glad you saw that post. I was really nervous oh, about posting that, you know? I was super nervous. I, I thought it was very sweet. And I also think it's it's important. I, w I was about to say, I've already said, it's like you, you come out a little bit later in life, like at 24, which is not late, really. Um, but then a little bit later with the fetish, uh, I came out at 18 and I started doing fetish when I was 22. So there's there's, there's a little bit, little gap as, as well there. So when when did you start exploring your lever side and how was it was it difficult to approach it with your husband? Well, there's two questions in there, so I'll, I'll yeah. tackle the first one first. Yeah, um, I was always drawn to I don't know how to put it. Um, leather, rubber, I was always drawn to those kind of textile fabrics, sensations. Mm -hmm. um my whole life I really wanted a pair of leather pants when I was in high school and everybody thought it was ridiculous so I got my first pair of I don't even know if they were real leather I think they were when I was 15 and I loved them and I treated them as a really special thing no one really got it um in the process of moving to Ireland which was pretty soon after the military well visiting Ireland then moving to Ireland when I gave myself permission to be gay when I gave myself permission to exhale and kind of go, I live here now. It's okay. You can be. There's no one watching on the side of the corner. If that's your mom. Or I felt freer and I made friends and a lot of diverse, diverse friends from all across the community. Drag queens, Leatherman, you name it. And I, I had an opportunity to go to some, you know, leather like fetish gatherings here in Dublin 
and I enjoyed myself to a point. And I'll be very honest that there has been quite a shift in Ireland, a very welcome shift, because back then I'm talking 2007, 8, 9, 10, there was only there were very limited opportunities if you were into kink. And there were leather parties and king parties, and they were lovely, especially when you're kind of exploring, but it was quite toxic. There were some people who were very prominent, who were not very kind and were not very welcoming, and some were racist um, to a point. And when you're a newbie who's new in Ireland as well as in the community, who you, who doesn't have money for gear, because I was a student, that stuff, that stuff sticks. And at some point I said, I'm not doing this because those people are not nice. And I, at the same time, I kind of started to see my husband at some point. And my husband's not really big into, into leather. And I just deprioritized it for a while. Our relationship took precedence. I wasn't going to go to events. And then we were dating and then we got married and life took its course. And the leather was kind of there. Um, it's part of my mind, but I wasn't engaging with it. And mm. I believe it was, um, was it before COVID or during COVID? It was over the last few years. It was over the last few years, my, my, late, my late 30s, I started to wear it more kind of like social leather, if you know what I mean, like leather pants with a shirt, just like being cool and loved the way it made me feel of people's reactions. And then I stepped into it more and more. And my husband, again, privileged, so supportive. Um, so for me doing this kind of stuff and my Instagram and I'm I'm so lucky because it's I think he reaps the benefits when I'm happy and I think that's something that people miss when you're with someone and they get to step into who they are and whether it's fetish or not it you get the returns in your relationship because you're in a relationship with a fuller richer more complete person so I think I'm I think I'm better in leather. I think I'm better in leather in life. I'm more me. I'm more creative. Um, it shows in my work, which is a really funny thing, like in my coaching. Um, it's just, it just powers me. I don't know how to say it. It just, it's like fuel. Oh, I, I can tell you when you're talking about it, you just like turn into one big smile when, when you're talking about your, your leather and, and how it makes you feel to wear it. Um, you mentioned your work. Um, mm. You mentioned you've been a life coach for how life coach for how long? No, uh, co I've been a coach for just over a decade now. Over a decade. Mm. How is how is that? And now it's kind of merged with the lever thing as well. You you can yeah. you coach other kinksters on the scene to become mm. better men or better lever men. How how is that self to how how is those two worlds kind of like your work life and and your lever life kind of when they've kind of merged into one and how is that feeling for you they merged at the right time i i didn't know that this was such an area i was passionate about until i took what was a pretty standard gym instagram with like selfies and check-ins which was very useful for a while and i just decided to put myself out there in leather and I immediately felt very welcome and I felt seen. And in a way, like I think we all seek in life, I felt validated that I, I do belong. Uh, I am okay. I made some amazing friends on Bluff and on Instagram. And I, I put down on Bluff, I think, that I was a coach and I started to have conversations or I just found myself having really, really amazing conversations. And then I just kind of started... It's, I can't coach people unless they unless there's an agreement, but I just started having these amazing conversations that really inspired me. And then mm -hmm. I just, you know, started to make videos and it just kind of fueled itself. And then I discovered, wow, I'm a coach. It's what I do professionally. I never thought that there was an intersection between life and leather or any kink, really. And just taking in from my own personal journey, there's a lot of work we do, invisible work to be where we are. And we're always, we're still going. It takes a shitload of confidence and guts to be able to step into your fetish, to purchase the items, 
to take a photo on Instagram, to go to an event, to tell your partner, to put yourself out there. There's work that needs to be done in terms of balancing the outside, which is the leather or the rubber or the sport or the military, you name it, and the inside. And there's a disconnect that a lot of people feel and people manage in their journey their own way. But some people have appreciated having a coach who can walk them through it and kind of help them build the resources to being more confident and to achieving more success. So it's not sex coaching. I don't coach about leather sex specifically, although we sometimes touch upon it. And I don't specifically coach on how to be a leather man, although we sometimes touch upon that because newbies have a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. It's about the balance between who you are when you're making dinner and who you are at a board meeting and who you are in Folsom and bringing them together. So you feel good every single time, whatever it is you're doing and you feel fueled by your fetish you don't you don't shy away from it you don't resent it you own it step by step and you let yourself be who you want to be that's really really good that because we we wear so many different outfits in life like work private life kink whatever um and i for me a lot of people like when they're talking about their fetish and their lever, it's very much about sex and stuff like that, which is fine. Mm. That's perfectly it is. fine. That's perfectly, perfectly valid. For Absolutely. me, a lot of the time, it's more social for me, to be honest. Mm. I like I like what it how it makes me feel wearing it. it. I like hanging out with other men in this gear and, and how that atmosphere is, that kind of electric atmosphere with being with a group of men who are into the same thing doesn't yeah. have to be fucking in the corner or whatever that's not necessarily always what it's about it's fun sometimes it's a great it's an added bonus the cherry on absolutely. top if that's included absolutely but sometimes it's just you know what meeting other people with the same passion i there's a it was a bit sexy but uh, I spent two hours with this man, a lot of kissing, but we had this a conversation about our fascinating fascination with leather gloves. And he didn't speak a word of English. I didn't speak a word of German, but we had a two hour conversation about it. Yeah, because you, you both How? speak leather. I don't know. You both speak leather. Yeah. You both connected on a values level. Um, I wish I had a visual here, but there's this amazing um, framework in coaching known as the logical levels. It's, it's, you know, there's a whole history about it and it's constantly evolving. If you connect to another person in terms of what matters most to them, peace, love, harmony, balance, leather, um, kink, um, integrity, equality, you don't need to worry about things such as language because sometimes you can just tell from what a person is the way they look at you so you being able to make that connection it's one of the things i love most about this community i've made friends with people who barely speak any english and we still connect because we have this thing that that connects us this value because it's more than clothes it's it's, it's a value and really when you look at the the origins of the leather community it is a lot about the values uh that underpin what being a leather man is and how we build a community being a leather man is about community really at the end of the day i love I, we're very similar in our approach uh, to leather because it's about the people it's about the community um and while you were saying that i i i thought of something and it's and it's personal and private but i'd love to share it it's just weird that it's coming out right now um you know, there's a lot of conversations, especially in the world we live in now, about toxic masculinity hmm. and gender. And every time you go near it, um, people have an opinion. Since finding leather, I feel like I know how to be a man. I feel like I can appreciate my version of my gender. And I enjoy being my gender, which is male in a way that feels true and natural to me. And I love being around other men who don't need to apologize for the fact that they have this fetish and that they want to be with other guys. 
And I feel it's so liberating because as growing up as a gay kid, I didn't know how to be. I didn't know if I was too femme or too this or too this, too this. So I was constantly bouncing between, you know, expressions of, of, of male that I felt suited other people because I didn't know who I was and I never really gave myself a chance. And in leather, I know who I am. And I like, I like the, the sense of ownership I have over my sexuality and my gender and to an extent the people that I choose to surround myself with. And, and I'm proud to say that. And it doesn't come with toxicity. It's not toxic masculinity. It's about me just owning who I am and just being happy with it and being around other people who are happy as well. And it's not about gender because you could be any gender and there's a place for you in this community, which is even more empowering and even more liberating. I just love the way that it gives us space to explore who we are on, on the spectrum of sexuality and gender and it's just my personal take i'm I, it's really liberated me from a from a it's, sexual it's, point of view for for me um i when that people when when you have conversations online and and i probably was guilty of it in the past as well so do you get the question are you femme are you mask um i mm. know where where you sit on the spectrum and i kind of i always kind of goes like i'm me I don't really I, I can I can be extremely flamboyant. I can be extremely masculine when I'm in my gear. I I'm I'm so multifaceted, it's ridiculous. Um yeah. so it's it if if people don't necessarily like where I lie on the spectrum of whatever masculinity and femininity is, that's fine. Then I'm not for you. That's perfectly yeah. okay. And it's also valid to feel like that. That's okay um so it's 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 just important to feel good in your own skin and enjoy i think with lever it is an enjoyment of masculinity um i also there's also more in its many of, forms sorry to interrupt but masculinity forms. in many forms because i speak to guys who can be as campus christmas or super butch and leather kind of brings everything together and I love it when I go and I meet people who are different and who have a different interpretation of leather or interpretation of gender, because we kind of all fit together in the fact that we're all different. You know, I'm, you know, he, him, I'm, you know, male, but I can camp it up and boy, do I. And that's just part of me being myself because leather gives me that permission. I can be any way I want to be when I'm in leather. And I've earned that right with hard work where even my photos on Instagram may look very kind of specific. I purposefully post videos and photos that show that it's not just 2D guy posing like Tom of Finland. There's that part of me and I love it and I embrace it, but there's goofy, kooky videos, mannerisms, because I'm, I'm more than that. And I think that if we show that we're more than that, more people feel that they can be a little bit femme, a little bit mask, it doesn't matter. I think we have this perceived idea of what leather is and what people are into. And I think we need to acknowledge we're not just photos on Instagram. There's a whole a whole spectrum of how we show up. Um, I, I, always joke, I always jokingly say around bluff men, bluff men have to look like they're constipated. <laughs> That's how you get the best pictures, Ralph. That is like, how you need... get the best pictures. You don't smile in the pictures and you look constipated. But and well, you've seen the pictures on my Instagram at the moment. Uh, I, I'll give a shout out to Josie in, in Manchester. Beautiful pictures he's done of me. They're amazing. Uh, and I, yeah. I look at those pictures and I sometimes like, I don't recognize that man because that is not me all the time. That is very good lighting. It's the way they're framed. Those those photos are so, so beautiful. and. You know what's so powerful? It's you. It's you in those photos. But different cameras capture different photos. And I only realized this recently. Like, we all use a standard kind of iPhone or Android camera and take certain photos. And then a photographer shows up. And I'm like, I look like that? You look like that? Different photographers do their own thing. And it's their interpretation of what they see. And those photos, they have that love. They have a lovely grainy effect. There's lovely coloring in them. They look like art. And I really appreciate them for them because they kind of make me feel something as opposed to, here's hot Ralph. We know you're hot. 
but the framing of you in those photos is really, really interesting. That's why I tried to pose different kinds of photos and kind of like give different sides because I like to keep it interesting and I like to keep challenging myself with like you with different photographers and different settings to kind of explore more, more ways of being in front of the camera and just more ways of being in general. Well, it's, I, I, it's no secret. I, I say this most of the time, take me, take the lever off. That is literally my armor taking off. I don't necessarily, I'm not the most comfortable person in cotton. It's just, that's not where I'm comfortable. If, well, if in a skinhead outfit, maybe then, then I know mm. what looks good on me. Um, mm. But if 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 I'm in just regular clothes, regular work, Ralph, that is, I I am very much a wallflower. I I bleed into the background. But put me in full lever. That is when I'm comfortable. That is when I puff my chest and broad shoulders. Um, you see, if I was your coach, I'd, I I'd challenge you on that. But you, there's leather in you. There's that feeling in you. And some people actually wear a jock or a cuff or something that helps them. But it's something that you grow in time, that ability at work to act as if you're in full bluff, to kind of take a meeting and to speak with the same confidence, the same kind of still kind, still respectful, but to step into it as if you're having an Instagram live with me or anyone else, because it's in you. The leather is a big part of it. It's a huge part of it but it is now a representation of everything that you've done because if you can be that way in leather you can be that way out of leather i'm just saying i'm just saying oh, think about it um, i'm i'm very aware of it and and like everyone else i'm working on myself constantly um Same. so it's 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 one of the things i do i'm i am now on a waiting list for some cbt later in life not the kind of cbt people are thinking about now no no therapy therapy cbt mm. <laughs> cbt I behavioral therapy boys. yeah cbt i can do to boys to come and visit me that's fine <laughs> i can definitely do both that. very very important and very useful well both can be therapeutic absolutely absolutely the right doses absolutely. we are coming to the end of the time but i have two last question and first question what was your what what is your favorite piece of gear at the moment Yeah, it's definitely leather. Um, it's so silly, but it's this thigh cigar holder I got from Mr. S. And it's so practical and so amazing because sometimes it's too warm to wear a jacket. And I can stack like two cigars, two vapes, a phone, and I got a big phone, um, keys on my thigh and then be able to move around. Um, I love that. I really, really do. Um, but I would have to say for me, I um, I know this is a podcast about sobriety and clarity. Um, I vape. I used to smoke quite heavily um, up until, funnily enough, up until I got married. And then I just kind of transitioned to vaping. Um, I love the treat I give myself when I smoke a cigar um within moderation and to me my cigar is probably the most important piece extension of me in terms of gear in terms of kit because it's um I enjoy the nicotine aspect of it I enjoy so many other aspects of it it's 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 part of me I've always always loved smoke and it just completes the feeling and the look so I would say those two cigar related <laughs> Well, well, it's it cigars and bluff look goes hand in hand, I would say. Um, it's such a cliche, but listen, some cliches are true. And there is a quiet joy that I would say in just sitting and being in leather and smoking a cigar. It's a kind of joy and a kind of peace that I have rarely experienced in my life. And it's kind of oneness and wholeness. And I've done it with other guys when we don't even have to talk. We can just sit and be. And we don't get to do that very often. And to me, just sitting around with a bunch of guys, even if we're standing outside an event and we're just standing there being, and, you know, if there's a cigar of the drink, it's an it's it's wonderful, but the focus is just being. 
So these are different things that we do. As cliche as they might be, they 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 feel good. Well, we we all love a cliche. Um, and <laughs> if there's the any question? advice, if there's any advice you could give a newcomer, either Ooh. in kink or someone who's maybe in the start of journey of exploring their masculinity or their maybe a mental health journey, coach journey. Mm. Mm. Any advice I'm on that? I'm going to give two pieces, two advice, two pieces of advice to the newcomer and to the guy who's already come and is already on his journey. To the newcomer, I would say, we have all, all been there. Everything that you're feeling now, all the fears and the worries and the insecurities and the fear and the shame and the guilt and the being uncertain about what to buy, being uncertain about will you fit in? Will you make friends? Are you good enough? Dude, we have been there and we are still there sometimes a little bit every day. No one is immune to that. Stepping out into fetish is a big personal step. It's a huge coming out. We have all been there. So take your time. It will not happen when you think it might. You need to grow a little bit. You might need to do a bit of work. But take your time, ask questions, join, join Instagram, join apps, get to know people and ask questions and take your time. To the other guy who's already done it, don't forget you used to be that guy. So be nice, be kind, because you may have forgotten that you had all the newbie questions and you may have forgotten what it's like to have leather that isn't the finest and to maybe be a bit awkward and not know where to find yourself. Remember, you used to be that guy. You used to be that guy. And let's let's be nice. Most people are absolutely lovely and people will answer questions. So reach out to your friends, reach out to me, reach out to Ralph. I'm sure we're all happy to help because that, this is part of what being a leather man is. This is part of what being in the community is. We're not a community if we don't invite and welcome people who want to be a part of it. Otherwise, it's a prison or a label. So that's my advice. And if anyone's been listening or watching and they've connected with something you've said or they're interested in hearing more about your life coaching and stuff like that, where can they get a hold of you? Oh, I even if you just want to say hi, I'm happy to say hi. Um, my Instagram is usually the best place to find me. I'm there too much. I'm also on Bluff. I'm five on five on Bluff. Uh, or you can just email me completely discreet um, coach at bluff dot email. And you don't even have to share your name. You can just say whatever you want to say. I will always reply uh, and I will always acknowledge I've been where many people have been in terms of that. So if something I said or something Ralph said resonated with you, use that. And like have a conversation with yourself after this and kind of go, hmm, how do I feel about this? Hmm, am I curious? Am I going to do some research? Am I going to reach out? You take the next step. See where this conversation takes you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Guy, for coming on. It's been Thank you. a really interesting conversation where we covered yeah. a lot of different aspects. We really um, have. Unexpected, yeah. but so exciting in the way that it's unscripted and just unfolds. It, it's It's great. A real conversation. I love it. Well, this this is why I like this format. Yes, there's a there's a little bit of a format at the start, some formalities and some questions and so on. But I like when you can kind of just go on with the questions and just see what comes out. And I really, really enjoyed tonight. It's been great. Oh, thanks, man. Me too. It's 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 lovely to speak to someone who's really genuinely curious and ask questions because they want to and to have a conversation that isn't scripted. It's 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 a real joy and I needed it today. So thank you. That's great. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, Ralph. And that was this week's episode. Guy was absolutely lovely to have on, to have a healthy discussion about his home life, uh, his lever journey, his life coaching. There's so many things we've covered. I can almost not remember what we covered at this point. But come back next week when I have my next guest. And play safe, stay sober, and stay kinky. Bye.